0: Hello and welcome to the Private Practice Made Perfect podcast. I'm Cathy Love. I started life as an OT, had an amazing, crazy private practice which I sold. And what I do now is help allied health business owners create a business that serves them, the time, the money, the joy that they absolutely deserve. And this is where my idea for the podcast started. What I want to do is to capture how hard allied health business owners in Australia work to achieve their dreams, to support their teams, to create amazing outcomes for their clients. So sit back, beverage of joys, drive safely, walk carefully, however you're listening in, and I hope you absolutely enjoy.
1: Thank you for having me, Cathy. Uh, so, my name's Chris Stenhouse. I run a bookkeeping company called Professional Bookkeeping Service uh, alongside my business partner Leanne Wilshire. Uh, the company's been running since nineteen eighty three and was actually founded by my mother. Uh, so it's a very much a family uh, family values uh, type of business. Um, and uh, my background is not actually in bookkeeping or accounting. my background is in technology and uh, IT. Um, I spent seven years working for Apple uh and then prior to that I was actually studying multimedia systems. So um my my story is is very different or unique, I think, than than a traditional bookkeeping or, or accounting firm. Um but we love that. So that's that's us.
0: I love it when guests introduce themselves. I could have put the kettle on, that would have that was just magnificent. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> No worries. So our paths have crossed to and fro and you've helped out some of my coaching clients and you've untangled things and you've set people up. Um, who are your favorite clients?
1: I would uh, I would actually have to say allied health. 100% allied health. We uh, know we're reason- well. Well, yeah. Um, and, and this isn't biased, I promise. But no, it's um, it, it is allied health because... Uh, what we find is that most allied health uh, practitioners are exceptionally time poor, uh, but they are very, very um, concerned around the attention to detail. So um, they work well with us because our attention to detail is is quite high. Um, and generally, we find that they're um, very, very committed to to doing things the right way, so that they don't have to think about it ongoing. Um, so that's that's who we love working with.
0: Which is good because it means that you know uh, their language and what their work kind of looks like and that you're familiar with some of the practice management software systems as well. So all all of the formalities and introductions are out of the way. You're good to go. Yeah. So one thing we both know is that every business owner needs a finance team. And I guess in that team... Is going to be an accountant and the mm. business owner. There may be a coach, and there's got to be a bookkeeper as well. Um, what What's the difference nowadays between a bookkeeper and an accountant?
1: So the the lines are definitely getting blurred uh, in that space because, and, and how they're getting blurred is with what, what's referred to as the advisory services. Um, so. Uh, but traditionally, the role of a bookkeeper was in the collection of information at a, at a fundamental level. Bookkeepers collect the information and then they record it appropriately. An accountant ac- actually uses or utilises that information, uh, so that's it's it's almost a, a, a handover in that sense. So, so you're either the business owner or someone in the business or a bookkeeper for that business is. Um, processing and recording all of the transactions and allocating uh, allocating them and recording them to the correct account codes and just basically keeping things organised and then the accountant will come along and provide some uh, advisory services or advice based on that information. So it's a bit more strategic in that in that sense. Mm. Um, also, the area of specialty of a BAS agent or a bookkeeper is specifically in GST. Whereas an accountant's specialty is in income tax. Uh, They do handle uh, GST as well, but uh, it's kind of like anything. When something's your specialty, generally you'll get a uh, higher quality of of service from that that option.
0: So bookkeepers make the accountants look good.
1: That's how we like to say it. Yeah,
0: there you go. There's your tagline. There's your tagline. Uh, sometimes I hear that business owners are a little kind of nervous about finding a bookkeeper, and there's a bit of there's there's got to be some pretty quick trust, and there has yeah. to be really good communication skills. But oh my gosh, all of a sudden you're opening the kimono, and someone's going to see your numbers and your bank account and how whatever it is. What what makes a a, a really good bookkeeper?
1: Well, uh, what makes a really good bookkeeper? So, other than the uh, communication, one of the one of the one of the things that you should be able to expect from your bookkeeping team is that you are advised of your payment obligations for say uh, whatever whatever they may be, whether they for your BAS or or uh, other compliance payments. You should know about those payments a month in advance, and what I mean by that is that bookkeepers, if you're using a, a bookkeeper. An external uh, keeper to do your books, you'll actually get an eight-week extension on the lodgement dates. Now, what some bookkeeping uh, firms do is they'll use that eight-week extension to the last day or the last week, and then send you an email or give you a phone call and say, "Hey, this is what your payment obligation looks like." Now, the time frame that you've got to pay that will be the end of that period. So, if you've only been given four days, you've got four days to effectively come up with the cash. So a really good bookkeeper should be giving you as much lead time as possible and and giving you as much information around what those payment obligations look like so that you can plan out your cash flow. So that is that is a key a key thing that a good bookkeeper should be doing for you.
0: So they manage the data and they manage the timeframes? 100%. 100%. I
1: haven't heard 100%. it
0: described like that. That's useful. How do you know if they're mucking up the information?
1: Honestly, the only real way to do it would be to get a uh, an audit or, or a second set of eyes to to give you their opinion. Um, now that might come from way of uh, maybe a a peer in in the industry that you know of uh, who is quite good with their numbers. Uh, it might come from another bookkeeping company. Uh, an accounting firm could do it. I would recommend a bookkeeper to review the uh the 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 transactions rather than accountants because bookkeepers are used to going to the 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 level of detail of day-to-day transactions um and so they'll uh, i mean there's i guess the the short answer is it's very hard to tell if they're mucking up unless you know what you're looking for um and i guess that's that's actually one of the, the the challenges that we face because a lot of the time uh potential clients that come to us don't understand just how wrong it was in the past because yeah. they don't know what they're looking for, I guess. Um, so I think if I was giving advice around that, I would say either a bi-yearly or, or even an annual review by an independent party would give you that peace of mind. I think that would be the really the, the only way to achieve that.
0: Mm. Sometimes allied health owners are the money and the numbers and the books aren't their forte. And although they're looking at it and checking, they're not, realizing that stuff's in the wrong spot or has been left mm. out or been doubled up and it can just be this compounding tangle that someone needs to pull apart and and yeah. that's almost part of the fear of engaging someone in the first place well how will i even know if they're good or how will i know if it's getting a little muddled
1: yeah so i guess um, you gotta start hey you do you do uh and and i think Getting along with them uh, is actually very important. You need to have a a good rapport almost instantly because the amount of communication between the business owner and the bookkeeper is is almost going to be on par with the business owner and one of their team members. So being able to communicate uh, is paramount uh, to, to it.
0: So, although you're based in Melbourne, you've got clients all over the country. Are you yeah. using Zoom or email or phone? How do you make all of that bookkeeping love happen?
1: Yeah, um so there are a lot of uh video conferencing calls that we do um and we check in we check in with clients uh depending on on the client, but it could be anywhere from uh once once a month catch ups through to quarterly reviews uh on top of the the day to day email communication and phone calls
0: yeah. Yeah, I guess it's some need. Yeah, little and often, but then some big check-ins, some more formal yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. And a bookkeeper's usually really uh, patient and kind with teaching some of the businessy, numbery concepts uh, to the business owners.
1: Um, training techniques aren't necessarily a strong forte. Um, mm as as you know kathy that train training being able to train someone is uh is quite a skill set on its own um but uh the, the some bookkeepers are great at it it's it's about um i guess it's about just having a chat and um and finding out where those knowledge gaps are and then um setting some some key learning objectives around that so um if there are areas of uh that you know. Um, might be a weakness for yourself in terms of your financials, then really targeting that with your bookkeeper and saying, hey, this is something that I want to uh, understand better. Yeah. And, and, yeah.
0: Explain it again and again.
1: Yeah, and again. And again. And again. A different way. <laughs> and then
0: a couple more times and then draw it and find That's a link in. on YouTube and eventually it sinks in, hey, eventually it sinks in. Yeah. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. At the moment, uh you would know from some of your allied health clients there's uh, and I'm and I've got my sort of NDIS kind of yeah. thing um, shouting over my shoulder is <laughs> better is for business owners to better understand their cost of sales cost of goods whatever you want to call it and mm. the cold hard reality of if you sell something for let's just say a hundred bucks what it actually costs you to deliver that because uh, we get a bit excited about the uh, the price tag but um, less less aware about what it actually costs to deliver it. Is that something bookkeepers can help with?
1: Yes. Uh, so so dissecting your expenses into uh, direct costs and, or, or, and indirect costs or operating and whatever we want to term it, mm-hmm. actually understanding what the cost to deliver that service or product uh, is to your business is something that a bookkeeper could definitely help you with. Um, and it's really around, uh, just as a rule of thumb, it's really around is is that cost something that is being consumed directly in the delivery of, of your service? And if it is, then that's how we can start to organize those expenses to paint a better picture.
0: It can come as a bit of a jolt for business owners to understand that if they're selling something for $100, they might be taking home $23 of it. And that's correct, the arms go up in the air well, where's all the rest of us? Uh, yeah, where and you gotta, it? <laughs> where is it why isn't why haven't I got more um, yeah. and I guess that's that exploration and that pulling it apart and adjusting it and monitoring it and one of the challenges of business is to take home more than twenty three
1: bucks of that one hundred that would be a good start that would be <laughs> that would be a good start. The first thing I would say to that is that that hundred dollars uh yes that's what the sale price was but no not all of that hundred dollars is that is your business's money you've got all of your team's liability if you've got team members you've got liabilities uh that need to be accounted for um i guess the 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 first step in in understanding where the money is going is actually having different bank accounts set aside so that whenever you receive revenue a certain percentage of that is split out into the bank account uh, into one of the other bank accounts to take care of your gst liabilities for example um, and you can do that uh, a number of different ways depending on how complex and how many bank accounts you want. But at least one should be there purely to hold on to the money that's technically not yours. Yeah. It's kind of mean that bit, isn't it? It's it's mean, but the quicker you get your head around it, the better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just tough love, I guess.
0: Yeah. The other way you can make uh, some more um, profit, if you like, is to put your fees up. Um, what are your thoughts on how often fees should be reviewed and increased?
1: I think fees should be reviewed once a year uh, and then adjusted accordingly once a year. And when I say adjusted, generally, they go up. Um, so the the fees, I would, I would definitely put them up in July of the year. Uh, and the reason for that is to give you a fresh start for the financial year. So you're comparing apples with apples. The whole time, if yeah. you do it midway through a financial year, you're not—you're you, basically just muddying the waters as far as um, what insights you can draw from it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I guess, um, yeah, not having those clear metrics right across a financial year makes your your budget is going to be a little bit wonky, which is what I wanted to ask you about next. Yes. Uh, how do bookkeeper how can bookkeepers help business owners set up a budget cuz that's a scary thing cuz that could be a spreadsheet
1: yeah. um how do we go about setting up a budget so the the uh the answer to that is you need to start with some figures some historical figures and provided you've got something to go on i mean the the numbers need to be useful if you don't if you don't have um historical figures um, that you believe are correct then we would actually need to approach it a different way so it would be small it would be similar to a startup business and creating a budget for a startup um, so the 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 ways around this would be to actually use um, a rolling average over uh, financial years so if you've got say three years worth of data and actually have a look at the um, the different sections, so cost of goods sold, and and actually have a look at what those averages are um, as as they're going through, so that when you build in your your budget and you're going to be tweaking that budget on a monthly basis when you're reviewing it. Okay, so what you're going to what you're going to have is you're going to have say uh, 12 months worth of projections based on the uh, the three years prior, uh, and then each month you're going to review your actuals to what you've projected and have a look at how you're tracking. And that way, you know, well, each time you look at it, if you're tracking above or below the trend. Mm,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I used to run a budget and my only job in preparing for the budget was to count up how many billable days that I had because um, my first accountant used to prepare a budget pretty much on a, 48 week year but I work with children and families and when I looked at it uh, mm. typically in January I would have 10 billable days February might be 15 March mm. depending on when Easter happened would be a full month or a partial month and on, and on and on and went and when I looked at every month right across the year I would often have 209, 211 billable days because I'd sometimes bring out the school holidays and things like that as well. And so mm-hmm. once I realized, once we realized with my new accountant this billable days bit, mm-hmm. we were able to really hone in the budget so that I knew, well, we figured out what I needed to be earning per day um, to kind of hit our targets. And we had you know, January budget built on 10 billable days and February built on 15 or whatever I thought it was going to be. And Mm. we got better and better and better at it every single year. um, We were, uh, yeah, more and more aware of what the factors were that impacted on um, me getting business done.
1: Yeah, and uh, and that that is actually a very, very good point. A lot of people don't take that into consideration when they're uh, looking at their budget because the earning potential is purely based on the days that you can earn. Yeah. Um and so that is a very good point uh that, that you should take into account. Um <laughs> another again in the future, Chris. There you go. Oh thank you. <laughs> um a, another another uh new idea that's kind of coming out at the moment is around a report showing what your direct debit uh commitments are each month. Um and the reason for this is that a lot of a lot of a lot of our expenses now, even even our fees, are moving to set monthly fees. Uh, and yep. and once again, it's on a direct debit. So uh, there's more and more businesses that are moving to that that style of um, invoicing. That it. model, yep. Yeah, that model, that model. Uh, and so knowing what your commitment is each month um, based on those direct debits allows you to then know exactly how much funds you need to have in the bank account.
0: That's cool because I've got that on a spreadsheet at the moment, and it's a terrifying amount, truth be told. Is this yeah. uh, a plug-in to Zero or something new? Or
1: no, no, not yet. It is. Um, it is a spreadsheet, but it's a um, it's a good report to yeah. to have. Very good report to have.
0: And to also have when your membership things expire and whether they're on automatic rollover. Mm. I'm saying,
1: there you go. That's, that's a good been, point too.
0: That's been foxy. Yeah, so all righty. Now, where will we get to? We we're talking about budgets. So yeah. is it fair to say they don't have to be super, super complicated and that getting started with something based on your best possible data
1: mm-hmm. is
0: way better than not having one?
1: Yes, yeah. So you can almost start to build your budget as you go in the first couple of months just by keeping an eye on yeah, because as you're imagining that now all of a sudden everyone's aware that the uh, the numbers need to be accurate because apparently mm-hmm. no one knew that before, right? So just pretend.
0: Yep. And yep. then
1: so starting from uh, from point zero, as, as each month goes past, we can use those numbers instead. So you can build the budget very, very quickly based on what's happening, identify the trend, yep. and then make a decision based on that. Cool. Love it, love it, love it.
0: Something else that I'm asked about pretty often is KPIs, um, key performance indicators. Uh, And, yeah, they nearly always need to have a financial basis to them. There's a whole lot of other KPI type um, things you can have, um, more behavioural or customer service kind of um, KPIs that you can have. How can bookkeepers help business owners set
1: KPIs? The KPIs KPIs are... Going to be based on a budget because obviously it's a certain target that we're going for, and the budget is a representation of what we're expecting to see. So the KPIs can be set up so that certain um, alerts can come into play. So, for example, if uh, um, cash in the bank falls below a certain threshold, um, an alert can be triggered in that re- in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the KPIs are definitely based heavily around what you're expecting to see. Uh and then and then I guess yeah, I guess it it's purely based around what you're expecting to see and how you want to stretch your business uh in the in the next period. So if you're setting your KPIs for a month, for a quarter, um and then you've you've got your your sales targets around that, then it should be We're expecting uh, say 5% growth. Well, let's set the KPIs so that we're looking at 7-8% and then see where it falls. So you always wanna be giving yourself that little stretch.
0: Running a business isn't just about setting up shop and becoming complacent. It's about showing up for ourselves and our clients with a commitment to continuous improvement. We have to be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we're going. That means identifying strengths and weaknesses so we can improve. After all, if we're remaining stagnant, how can we scale and build the business and life of our dreams? That's where the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Business Quiz comes in. We're not talking horoscopes and paulstopia, this questionnaire is the perfect starting point for you to begin identifying your strengths, needs and blind spots as an allied health business owner. The process is simple. Answer the 14 questions and we'll send you a personalized report that includes actionable steps for you to start taking your business to the next level. Ready to take your business into your own hands? Take the NACAR Consulting Allied Health Biz quiz today. One thing that I haven't talked to you about uh, in the past, and I don't think I have, um, is there's been a tendency in Allied Health to set KPIs along the lines of billable hours uh, and that if someone's full-time for 40 hours that their KPI is 60% of that. Mm. Um, and that it's hours that they sell. Where that gets problematic is when an hour is worth a different amount. So you could be selling an hour that's worth a hundred bucks, you could be selling an hour that's worth 180, um, and this is a little bit of a huge niggle uh, that the mm. NDIS. Um, is potentially going to uh, implement. We're all hanging out waiting to hear about tiered pricing. You might have heard about Mm. that. Mm. Uh, And so an hour um, when you're providing services to NDIS participants, maybe 200, maybe 180, 160, 140, maybe 120. So all of a sudden this billable hours KPI in my business brain isn't going to work and that it is a back to the future model of sales targets. Oh, I wish listeners could see Chris's face at this point.
1: I thought you could.
0: <laughs> well, we can see each other, but they can only hear us. But oh, that, that us, uh, so much better. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, So, how so, is that
1: so Um, that's very interesting. That is very interesting.
0: Very interesting.
1: I would um I would definitely need to come back with we are going to need a single unit of measurement or a, a yeah. universal unit of measurement. So um, the way that we achieve that will be interesting. It's almost in my mind, it's almost going to be a, a decimal point. So it'll be one point And then, and what that, what I'm talking about there is there needs to be a way to equalize what those different fees are so that one session is, is it will become a decimal based on what that fee was. Oh. So you'll need to know how many how many units you need. So I would say that one as a measurement would be whatever the uh, lowest uh, price point is for your uh, yep. service that's yep. being sold. Yeah. Um, and then everything and above the that would be yep. one point, and then whatever. Mm. Um, and so now you've got your single unit of measurement again. You can then um mm. work out what you how many of those units you need to sell. So. Um, a a, um, a session that's 180 might be 1. 1.8, for yeah. example. Correct. So give or, it a unit value that way.
0: Yeah, or you, uh, go to sales figures, dollar dollar figures. Yeah. Because the practice management software systems can give those reports that you know, uh, Sarah may have sold you know, uh, you know, fourteen hundred and sixty seven dollars worth of therapy and service. Uh, This week So it's going to be really interesting I think I'll keep you updated about what happens We can have another chat about that one
1: Yeah, yeah No, um, that was very interesting I Yeah, there you go Curveball
0: The other thing that bookkeepers uh, know about And accountants Mm -hmm. as well But bookkeepers perhaps are more front line on this Is that as a business goes through its growth stages uh, That there can be some peaks and troughs Hopefully more peaks than troughs but we sort yeah. of know that sometimes when um, team is built that there can be a little bit of a diffet, um, a divot or a dip yep. in profitability, uh, yeah. but then that can all plateau out and it could be on the grow again and then you might bring in somebody else and somebody else to kind of release the owner from the business. There can be another little mm. um, dip there. How do you guys see that?
1: Okay, so the key to this is testing and measuring uh, and not... Not throwing everything into one one bucket and going, "How do we do?" sort of thing. Um what I mean by, by that is understand what what the current state of affairs looks like in the business. so before any change takes place, before you know we're talking about team members or anything like that, take a snapshot of the business and say, "Okay, this is what we look like right now. Excellent, and then change one thing because what you're effectively doing is you're quarantining the results that are gonna come from that because you haven't added 10 other staff, you haven't put in a new uh, point of sale system or front of house uh, practice management system, you haven't done anything else other than that one thing, then you can look at the results and monitor the results. And the, depending on 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 how much change we're talking about, there will be you know, even up to a year, depending on what that big change was before you see the results. So really being clear around capturing the information so if if we're putting in a new uh, practice management uh, uh software pack uh platform then make sure that we are tracking the time involved in training the team make sure that we're tracking mm-hmm. the, the time here but but also as you start to see the benefits from that practice management software if it's um sms reminders being built in and then sms reminders being able to go out to your to your patients and clients then, then how do you measure the increase? Um, so it's it's really being uh, careful and considered around how are we testing and measuring those changes.
0: Yeah, and I guess I I describe it as scenario busting that before you, uh, before you bring in another clinician or increase yeah. admin is to actually run that scenario through your budget, and um, it's that moment where it's. It's like you're at the airport. You just see all the numbers trickle and change and then the yeah. number at the bottom right will also change. Um, not always in a good way, but it will change as well. But you can sort of see what the impact, the so what factor, as I describe it, would be. Yeah. All So the thing about financials, the thing about money, the thing about bookkeeping is that uh, it's all about habits, as I see it. Yep. It's all about somebody doing something at a certain time for the right for the right reasons. Uh mm-hmm. it's not unusual for me to hear that allied health business owners may only be looking at and you heard my heard me say only may only be looking at their numbers quarterly or every 6 years or maybe even annually and mm. there's a lot more to it than what you've got in the bank. That's luscious and highly relevant but there's a lot more to it. Mm. How often do you think business owners should be checking their
1: financials? Uh, so once a month, once a month checking um, profit loss balance sheet, uh, along with any other management reports that uh, you, you, you pull into the mix. Uh, but uh, once a month is generally the, a great time frame to keep an eye on the trends as they're developing. Mm.
0: And you're kind of can... like going uh, oh. go on, go for it. Oh,
1: I was just going to say, it's kind of like the, uh, the, the, the Goldilocks uh, notion as in less than less than a month is, is too short, longer than a month, you're, you're really leaving yourself open to risk.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is there is there a business that's too small to not have a bookkeeper?
1: Is there a business that's too small to not yeah, have a like, bookkeeper? Well, maybe uh, the easiest question. I would say no to that. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you're running a business, then – you shouldn't have to be worrying about compliance ideally mm. um compliance isn't why you started the business so i could be a sole trader um and yeah the, the the books need to be done right because what happens the the problem is and this kind of comes back to the oh. question before a are little. we going
0: to be talking about shoe boxes
1: um no it's more so about how do you know if it's not done right um yeah. we we had a client who well, we have still got the client but they they had about five years worth of outstanding basses and all sorts of horrendous things um, which we have cleaned up for them and uh, the 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 problem there is that it took five years <laughs> for all of the bad habits that have been slowly sitting there and festering yeah yeah festering. financial festering it it is um, I don't know I'm not going to say too much about it but um, you can imagine what five years' worth of outstanding buses, how the ATO would feel about that.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so that is one of the problems because a lot of the time you don't know that you need that help. Like You just don't know because it takes oh. that long for the ATO to come back.
0: It's a classic uh, situation of you don't know what you don't know mm. and potentially your time is better served mm. on other value activities and yeah, yeah, and, and it doesn't thing. have to be business development activities. It's time, um, picking the kids up on time, and hanging out, and doing nothing, and catching up with friends. Uh, so yeah. having someone come in and and get this stuff sorted week after week, fortnight after fortnight. I don't know. I just see it as an absolute game changer in
1: self worth. And well, yeah, uh, no, one hundred percent. And, and and if I was a if I was a sole trader. <laughs> And I felt like, uh, let's say I wasn't even registered for, for the GST threshold. Mm-hmm. Who who am I to say that my business won't grow, won't scale? I mean, if if I started the business and I was happy for it to stay a sole trader and I never wanted things to change and I never wanted to increase revenue and all of those things, okay, maybe I could be a small business that didn't need bookkeeping. But generally, people who start a business have vision, have have, have something driving them and their success is shown in, in the growth of their business. And so it's much better to get it right from the beginning. It's easier to teach the correct habits and and, float, like, and scale with those than it is to correct something five years down the track. Oh,
0: so much easier. yeah. So
1: definitely it, yeah, definitely on that question, I would say that every business who is serious should have someone. It doesn't need to be an external bookkeeper. It can be someone internal in their team, but you absolutely want to know that their knowledge on g s t is spot on
0: yeah, and for those listening, Chris is waving his arms around at this point <laughs> It's really, really important it's it's that um, who was it Stephen Covey? Start as you mean to proceed, yeah, and purchase in the expertise that you don't yet have, and it's not that you're yeah abdicating, but you've got somebody in who loves doing that even more than you do. It's mm. probably mm. better at it than you as well in my case certainly so a couple of minutes ago you mentioned um, some quite magical words uh, profit loss and balance sheet yes. uh, talk to us a little bit about what they are and why they're important
1: so the what they are and why they're, why they're important so a balance sheet is uh, well the key let's start with the key differences between them uh, a profit and loss is showing you a a period of time. Profit and loss shows you a period of time. A balance sheet is a picture of your business at at the current point in time. So whenever the report is run, that is the picture of the business. So understanding that one is based on a time period and the other is as at a certain date, that's the first thing to get your head around. Um, and, And for me personally, that was the first thing I had to kind of get right in my mind Okay, so they're measuring in different ways, basically. Yep. So that's the first thing. The second thing with the the profit and loss, the best thing, and and so, assuming that the chart of accounts is is um, perfect and you're happy with how everything is laid out, you've got your cost of goods.
0: And that the, would be the, in myob or zero. That's where you find your chart of accounts, sitting oh, there, yeah. sitting
1: for you. Just sitting there. All alone. Um, all alone, just chatting, chatting with the other sales counts. You know, having a good time.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, um, so the the idea is that any unusual expenses need to be accounted for correctly because the the value of a profit and loss comes from comparing one period against another period against another period against another period, and so on. And if you've got unusual expenses that have slipped into uh, one of the account codes, for example, it, it starts to, to muddy the waters as far as noticing patterns. Um, so you should, be able to, you should be able to look at your profit and loss over a set period and see trends and see minor changes in, in uh, positive or, or, or negative. So the, the value of your profit and loss is to keep it neat, keep, keep uh, everything being accounted for as it should be. Um, so that you, you can then pick up on those trends, because it's actually quite common. We see a lot of the time where uh, the PAYG payment, for example, might show up somewhere in, um, in in the other account codes, and and it just throws everything off. You know, it makes mm-hmm. it very hard to look at it and and believe and trust what you're looking at is is actual correct.
0: Yeah. I uh, tend to recommend that business owners physically print it off and go a bit old school and Mm. um, sit with the highlighter and the red pen and they can sit with zero open as well and to actually click through and find out what is actually sitting in $3,500 worth of stationery for August or what's sitting in insurance that's suddenly way bigger than it usually is and to actually check that A, stuff is in the right place but to actually see what makes up those expense totals and the income totals. They're kind of exciting, but a bit more predictable in a way. Uh, and that way you're really getting into your numbers and figuring out what belongs where and um, yeah, identifying with those patterns over over months mm. of the year.
1: And the more that you, so that, that as a habit, if you're doing that once a month uh, and you're actually drilling into those expenses, that is um, going to prevent any sort of shocks around uh, unexpected liabilities. Unexpe- just mm. this is why that that monthly review and actually digging in and, and looking at your profit and loss, doing the same thing every month, profit and loss balance sheet. What are my management reports coming from my um, practice management software? And generally, we might be talking, say, around um, uh, clinician performance or whatever you need to see mm. in that space. Um, but yeah, doing that on a, on the monthly basis is is key to and drilling into those numbers is absolutely key to protecting yourself from from those uh, surprises.
0: Yep, and the errors. The other thing that I get asked um and I hear about a little bit and it may not be sitting in zero, it'll be sitting out in well it, no, it will be in zero, um you couldn't know where to look, is debtors and people who still owe you money. Okay. Uh, thoughts, comments, tips?
1: Yes. Please? so the um as far as debtors go uh have a have a have a set time in which at which point you would write the the debtors off so what we what we come across quite often is debtors that are just sitting in in someone's uh, either bookkeeping system in their in their point of sale um is so common because i think i think at heart we all believe we're going to get paid for the work imagine it will happen and <laughs> Isn't that, it's magic. Um, but have a date um, and, and it's, it's going to, it's not up for, for your bookkeeper to necessarily advise on this. This is more around what you're comfortable with, um, but actually have a date whereby you will write off debtors uh, that aren't real anymore. So that's the first thing. The second uh, would be, well, to chase your debtors up. <laughs> so, I mean, have a process around that. Um, it, it may not necessarily be yourself that's, that's doing it, but definitely have a a process and it can be as friendly as one of your team members calling up, touching base, um, and, and, and managing it that way. Or have you got a number three on your list? I, uh, or oh we'll <laughs> bill in advance.
0: <laughs> yeah. Get ninja on it and figure out how to avoid the debtors in the first place.
1: Well, yeah, one hundred percent. If you can bill in advance, uh or, or at least take payment on the spot. But I mean most most Allied Health should should be okay in that regard. Um, it would really be the, the health funds that would be slowing that mm. down, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, and increasingly, it's safe and secure to hold customers' credit card details, and they can get tucked away into the practice management software that no one can see them, but they're available for billing at the end of the day or whatever the, yeah. the process is. So, yeah, and quite
1: often with those with the practice management, the way they actually retain the credit card details is they'll only once you've entered it in, um, it'll only ever show you the last four digits. Yep. so yep. you're pretty confident. Um, I mean absolutely go and check your your individual practice management mm. software, but you can be pretty confident to, to um, delegate a task like that. Yep, yep,
0: yep, absolutely. Wow, what a romp through bookkeepers <laughs> and practice management software and reports and things like that. Is there anything that we haven't covered?
1: Um, just one, one thing which is, I think, very important right now, specifically for allied health, uh, and that is... Uh, and this is my opinion, but I, at the moment, don't see the advantage of connecting your practice management software to your cloud oh, accounting. yeah. Um, this curly one,
0: saving this curly is. one for the end.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but basically, basically, uh, basically, the integrations aren't always yeah. as sophisticated as we would like them to be. Uh, and I, I've just come back from Xerocon, from which is uh, the largest technology conference in Southern Hemisphere. Um, and I was actually talking with a um, a, a vendor about this specific problem um, where the integration brings across every single transaction where there is actually no additional value in that. In it, All we would need is a summary. Um, and there's just not that much control at the moment around what information comes across uh, or, or not as much control as, as we would like. So, my advice is not to connect the practice management software to your cloud accounting platform because if you can keep your uh, your accounting system clean, pristine, and and you actually believe the numbers that are in there, that is so much more valuable than having a haphazard integration sending across sales. Under- yeah, like we're talking like one example I can go through would be six and a half transactions that came across into uh, zero six and couldn't thousand. be... Six, six and, and a half thousand. Six and a half thousand. And they couldn't be reconciled. It was actually so bad. And because of the timing of where we were in the financial year, uh, right at the beginning, we actually decided in that instance not to clean up the file because it was just that bad. Um, it was actually fortunate when we met with these clients and, and it, everything fell into place. If it was... Any other time of the year, that would have been an absolute nightmare to try to uh, unravel. Mm.
0: Um,
1: so, yeah, I would I would say that you can get the information you need from the practice management sales reports. You can get the breakdowns of clinician performance of, of the products and services. You can get all of that from reporting in those packages. And so a monthly total or a weekly total, even an end of day, if you wanted, I mean, you probably wouldn't. But um, weekly, for example, you end of week report, Um, straight into your accounting software and you know that it's exactly correct.
0: Yeah, Snap, I'm completely with you on keeping your practice management software apart from zero. I think it gives um, financial privacy to the business owner and that not everybody can see everything. I know you can set security levels, but... One of the big advantages is having the financial, the transactional history for each of your clients in one place Mm. and associated Mm. with the clinical notes. And that Mm. is actually a really monumental business asset that Mm. will have a commercial value at some point when you're looking to um, exit at some point. So, um, and yeah, I've just seen it go not right enough times for yeah, it to be a bit of a, a no brainer at the
1: moment. Yeah, I'll be honest, I I'm yet to see it go exactly right. Yeah,
0: uh,
1: it did. It, it um, yeah, the the integrations at the moment they seem to be a little bit more of a marketing tool than than than, than much else. Uh, that's that's my personal opinion. Um, mm. and it's it's as I said, it's based on the fact that you can't configure them to the degree that you should be able
0: to. Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty, so given that you had the very first word, I'm going to let you have the very last word. What other pearls of wisdom have you got for people listening about how to love their bookkeeper even more?
1: All right, I'll tell you what, here's one. As soon as you receive an expense document, so you've got a tax invoice, it might have come in via email, you might have received it, we could be even just talking about a fuel receipt for your car. As soon as you receive it. And I'm talking before you've paid it. Before you paid it, as soon as you receive it, send it to your bookkeeper. They need it to be in this in 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 your bookkeeping system. Um, what basically the, the reason that's a pearl of wisdom is it just means that your reports will be much more up to date if you were to run them or mm-hmm. when you run them. Um, the the habit that a lot of our GPS get into is that. We we provide this awesome um, cloud-based system that does all of these things, and yet they're still managing their payables with a folder on the desk or a or a tray. Or, or so and and we get it. We understand how that works. Basically, it goes in the tray when it's paid. It leaves the tray, and then that's how I know that's how I'm managing my business, right? So it makes sense, but it means that until you pay it, if you if you take a month or, or whatever your, your terms are with that supplier, it means that your numbers will be out until that bill goes in. So it's much better to have have it entered into your system the moment you've received it. And then you'll be able to, rather than using a folder, uh, a physical folder to, to manage those payables, you'll actually be able to run a payables report straight away. It'll have due dates for all of your bills and you'll just be able to do it in that way. And if you're using... Um, depending on the ver- depending on the type of uh, accounting software you're using, there's a very good chance that when you click onto those bills, if you want to get more detail, an actual copy of the invoice will be attached to it as well. So that's my my pearl of wisdom is give the information to your bookkeeper as soon as you receive it. They'll appreciate it so much. A photo
0: or emailing it through or
1: some magical app? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean it. it, it depends on depends on i guess the system that you've got with your bookkeeper Mm -hmm. um so it could be through an app it could be through an email uh it could be you're dropping off a a, a folder with the with the uh the actual item in it the it's the the value is in getting that document to your bookkeeper so they can enter it into your system
0: yeah
1: in a in a shorter time period it just means that your figures will be more accurate more of the time got it love it Alrighty.
0: I oh, just oh, raving fan. You know that, raving fan. <laughs> Chris Stenhouse, thank you for joining us. In the show notes we'll um provide details for professional bookkeeping services, PBS, as you're commonly yep. known, and links and all the rest of it. So um yeah, thank you. No, thank
1: you. No worries. Happy to do it. I look forward to the next one.
0: Alrighty. Talk soon, bye.
1: Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode for the show notes and
0: other resources our webinar replays they're all available over on Naker.com.au. and if you're loving what you're listening to please subscribe we don't want you to miss out on a single thing and if you want others to get the same benefit that you've had from listening into these episodes please share this episode and any of the others forward to any of your other allied health business colleagues and we are totally here for you. Don't forget for a moment that you can jump on in and book that power call and uh, we can see how we can help you get the best of business done. Looking forward to seeing you there.